So good morning. Thanks for being here. Is there any ventures who'd like to move up to this front table? Feel free to do so. It feels a little distant out there, but all right. Oh, look, it go, Dana. Yay. Yay. That's no statement on the backbenchers at all. We understand. No problem. Back of the bus. So our wonderful news is Fred and I became grandparents this past week for the first time. We have a little grandson, Tommy Frederick. We're so excited. He's just darling, and, and Meg is doing well. And so we spent the last week up there just soaking it up. So um, welcome back to uh, Reverend Wade. We're glad to have him here. He does have his books for sale in the back. So if you want to pick one up either um, after the class or next week, let us know. And uh, we're just delighted you're back, and um, welcome. Thank you, Amy. Uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. I, I I bet you can remember when when grandparents were old people. Now that now 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 it's not it's not not that way anymore, is it? So it's good. It's good. <laughs> the, um, the 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 books back in the back are uh, you know uh, biblical fracking midrash for the modern Christian, and they are not necessary for this class. Uh, it's the background material that this class is based on. Uh, if you want one, that's fine, but you don't need that in order to, to participate in what we do today. And um, if you want it, there's the, the price of the book is $16. There's an envelope back there with some ones, so if you need change, make change. And uh, I can do a credit card, but I obviously have to wait until after the class to do it. So if you want a credit card, well, there you go. So that's there, and... Uh, that's the that's the whole pitch about, about that. Um, we have a, a four-part series, and the first the first uh, time we were we were together, I uh, talked a lot about uh, midrash and biblical fracking and how they work, and uh, a, a great deal of that is covered in the introduction to the book. So if if you didn't get it, but just as a as a kind of a recap, because I, I know that some of you were not here when we met last time, um, the is that midrash is uh, is a is 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 the name given to a tradition in Judaism that has been around for 2,500 years, and uh, Judaism has used it to great advantage in understanding Scripture, in understanding the law, and their uh, writings, all those sorts of things. They've used it to great advantage. The word midrash means to seek or to inquire. And what it amounts to in biblical studies, which is where it's applied here, is going beyond the text. That is, you have a story that's in the, in the scriptures, there's a, there's a text, and then you raise questions that are outside of the text and begin to explore in kind of that free-form way. The oldest question, uh, 2,500 years old, uh, was raised by a group of rabbis in Jerusalem, and the question was, why didn't Adam talk Eve out of eating the apple. Now, you know, that that's that sounds silly. Um, but here's what here's what happens. Uh, first thing is there's no answer. Right? Because that, you know, the Bible doesn't go there. That that's not part of the story. So there's there is no answer. So exploring the answer, what they found was that when they began to talk about that, which is, appears silly at the first glance, when they began to talk about that, what they were really talking about was human nature, human relationships, 
and the high cost of missed opportunities, which is pretty serious stuff. And so the reflection brought them to a deeper understanding than if they'd stayed with the text. Now, this is certainly not making any case against the text. I mean, that that's that's the Bible. That's how the Bible was written. That's what it's for. And, you know, there, there's no no question about that. That That's exactly what's supposed to go on there. Well, so, but here, you know, Midrash, and what my term for it is fracking, which is getting treasure from the cracks and seams of the earth, and this is getting treasure from the cracks and seams of the Bible. And, and that's what we talked about the last time. Christianity didn't really pick up. Midrash, when we left Judaism. We took some other things, uh, the stories, the mythologies, the Old Testament, the symbols, all those sorts of things. We didn't take Midrash. We talked yeah, last time about why that's true. Basically, Christians, early Christians were a little uptight to do that kind of reflecting. So, so we didn't do much of that. So that's the, the idea behind the book, is to reclaim that for us as a way of approaching Scripture. Now, what we're going to do today and in the in the weeks that uh, the two weeks after this is that we're going to talk about, you know, kind of learning how to do it yourself. So we're going to do a little bit of midrash. We're going to do a little biblical fracking in this in this uh, gathering and talk about uh, about how that works. Now, the midrash and, you know, uh, or fracking the way the way I and, and that distinction is important because. Midrash is a Jewish term, and it belongs in Judaism, and it's understood in Jewish ways by Jewish scholars, and I'm not Jewish, and I don't have that background, and so when when I talk about it, I think I need a, a word, so I made one up, and that's biblical fracking, and that's that's what, what that is. So there's trying to be distinct and to honor the fact that, that Midrash is a Jewish term. I'm not Jewish. I, I don't belong there. That's not my tradition, and so... You know, I want to respect that. That's why I'm using the term fracking. But it covers the same kind of ground. Now, in order to, to do this, in order to enter into it, uh, it involves um, what I think of as forensic reading of Scripture. Uh, forensic is kind of looking for clues. You know, it it's basically refers to things that, was, that you could testify to in court. Uh, and so, you know, it's looking for clues. And the principle there is that the Bible is, for the most part, a very spare document. It doesn't give a lot of detail. So when it gives a piece of detail, then you've got to stop and say, well, wait a minute, what's going on with that? What, what is that? And that kind of opens the door to go someplace else. For example, and we used a different example last time, but, but the example this time, you remember the story about the beggar whose name was Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, who was begging by the, who was on the road outside of Jericho, and, uh, and the, uh, he's begging, and Jesus is going by on his way to Jerusalem, and he, he's blind, and so he's, he's a beggar, and he, he picks up the idea that, that there's a big crowd coming along. So he says, hey, what's going on? And somebody says, well, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the great healer. And he thinks, hey, this is, this is my moment. So he starts crying out, Jesus, come on over here and take care of me. And everybody says, shh, be quiet. Be quiet. This, is, this is serious stuff. You, know, you're, you're, you are an invalid in the literal sense of the word. You are invalid. You are out of, the, out of the picture here. So we don't want to hear from you. You keep quiet over here. And he refuses to do it. And then, you know, Jesus says, well, bring him over here. Come on over. So the, here's the, the little forensic piece. 
It says there, he threw off his cloak and went to Jesus. Now, threw off his cloak. Now, that's an odd thing to tell us. So what, what, if you look at it as a kind of a clue, a couple of things about that. His cloak, if he's a beggar like other beggars around, his cloak is what keeps him warm at night. It's the base from which he begs. It's where he keeps his coins. It's his identity. And he throws it off to go to hopefully be healed. If he's not healed, how will he find it? He can't. So he bets everything. He bets everything on this. And he goes there and he takes that chance. Well, the story is that Jesus heals him and there it is and, and it's all that. And then it says that Bartimaeus followed him. Now, if, if, if you've ever been to Jericho and the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem rises 3,000 feet in 15 miles. Okay. Bartimaeus has been, without putting too fine a point on it, sitting on his can for 10 years. He can't follow him far. He restored his sight, not his youth. So Bartimaeus might have been, might have gone, but I'm going to give him a quarter of a mile, and then he's <laughs> over there. He can't go any further. He's done. So now what's he going to do? There goes Jesus. Now what's he going to do? Well, what he's got to do then is that he has to switch from an alms-based life income to a wage-based life income. And instead of asking people to give him a hand out, he now has to ask them to hire him. And he's shifted his whole life on the basis of that healing and has to live in it. Okay, now that's forensic reading of Scripture. Now, none of that's in the story. But logically, it seems to me anyway, logically and reasonably, that's kind of what Bartimaeus had to deal with. So there's a whole lot of to explore, you know, as Bartimaeus becomes, you know, has to learn how to live as a healthy person. Uh, and it's the same sort of a thing with people who, you know, who have been ill for a long time, and now you've got to reestablish yourself. Uh, you, you have somebody who's been addicted for a long time. And now you want to be a player in the community. Somebody who's been deployed overseas for a long time or been in prison for a long time and who wants to come back. you got to renegotiate that reality. So you get the good news, I'm well, I'm better, I'm this, I'm that. And then all of a sudden, now you've got to negotiate a whole bunch of new problems. And that's the story of Bartimaeus. That's fracking the story of Bartimaeus. So that's how, that's how this exercise works. So the question is, so we're going to talk about... Uh, learning how to do that. So we're going to do that a little bit today. And there are two things that we're going to do in order to, to get a hold of a story and to begin to, to frack the story. The first is to use imagination. Imagination is the manner in which people enter into the story. I'll show you how to do that in just a minute. That's not fracking. That's that's part of actually it's incorporated in Ignatian spirituality where, where they, you're encouraged to use imagination to enter into a biblical story. And you do that by using the five senses the same way you enter into any other story. I'll show you how to do that in a minute. Now, after we enter into the story, then we can depart a little bit, and that's fracking. So there are two steps that we're going to do. So the first is 
imagination is entering into the story. So we're going when to, when we get to the story, and I'll tell you in just a minute the story we're going to do, to enter into that story, I'm going to start asking you questions about the five senses. What's it feel like? What's it taste like? What's it smell like? What, you know, what's it look like? You know, all the, all that sort of thing. And as you figure those out, what you'll find is that you're inside the story. That's how you enter the story. Now that's the text itself. Then what we're going to do is we're going to frack the story and move outside of it. Okay? Does that make sense to you? You with me? Okay. Alrighty. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to look. There are Bibles there in the, in the, in the seats in front of you. Uh, and we're going to, to look at a, the resurrection story in Luke 23. Everybody got a Bible? Can we have, got enough? Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 23, verse 55 through 2412. Okay, now, there, you find the, find the New Testament, and that goes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the resurrection stories tend to be towards the back, so you want to go to the to the back of it. And Luke twenty three fifty five, and we're going to read it out loud. So you just find it now, so you can follow it with your eyes. Everybody, find it okay. One thing that that people you know, seem to to think is it's it's against the rules to to look in the table of contents and find out what page this is. That really is okay. You know, not everybody is supposed to just open the Bible to Luke twenty four. You know, that's not that's not very likely. So don't uh, don't be bashful about look using the table of contents in order to find out where you are. So it's twenty three fifty five through twenty four twelve. It begins with the women who had come with him from Galilee followed. Got it? Are you there? You got it? Okay. Now, okay, let me, let me get, um, anybody want to read that for us? Somebody want to read that section for us? Oh, the spirit of volunteerism is, okay, good. There you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, Why don't you just read uh, till the end of the chapter, and then I'll get somebody else for a few verses, and we'll break it up that way. So. Now, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe for the sake of the tape, maybe I should read it because I've got the microphone, and that's uh, and that's uh, let, let me uh, because I had forgotten this is being this is being taped for for whatever you do with the tapes, and and so maybe I should read it because I've got the microphone. This would be a long dead spot in the in the taping, right? Okay, all right. So excuse me. Thank. I'm, I'm sorry. I asked you to do something, then unasked you to do it. That was not very polite. Okay. Luke 23:55 through 24:12 <clears throat> The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid then they returned and prepared spices and ointments Now this takes place just after the crucifixion Jesus is dead they have watched Joseph of Arimathea and whoever else was there take the body to Joseph's uh, tomb and lay it in there and we'll come back to that in a minute on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment, 24th chapter. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly 
Two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remember his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Okay? Now that's the story. So we are got to enter into it a little bit here. A couple of things first to notice is that it says the women who had come with him, Jesus, from Galilee, followed. Followed. Now, that they're referring to there is following the people with the body, Joseph of Arimathea and the others. Why follow? Why are they following instead of being part of it? Why are they back there instead of in there? Why? Do you have any idea? Hmm? Yes, it's the women. Why were they following instead of being with the people who moved the body? That's right. Gender issues, gender barriers. In addition, class barriers, class and gender. These are not well-to-do women, and Joseph of Arimathea is a well-to-do guy with his own tomb and everything else. So class and gender. Now, just watch that. That's, that's the protocol of the world in which they live. It says, no, you don't do that. You stay over here. You know, We're going to take care of this over here. We, we got this. We're okay. And then the next, the next line gives us another picture of that which is that they watch this, they watch and put it in there, and then on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. It says they're supposed to rest on the Sabbath, but for crying out loud, they got a dead body in there. You know, they, they got something to do. They, I mean, they, there's, their whole world is, is crushed, but they say, nope, wait a minute, we've got to stop here. It's, it's kind of like if, you know, if the Uptons daughter was being rushed to the hospital at three in the morning, you know, and, you know, they stopped for a red light at a deserted intersection because that's what you do. You know, it's not, it's not, it's following the protocols when maybe the protocols are not entirely helpful, not entirely what needed to be done, but they did. And the fact is, you know, we all know that Jesus rose on, on, on Easter Sunday, but the fact is we don't know that Jesus rose on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is when people find out that he had risen. There is no account of his rising. Okay, so, but 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 they said we we're not, we can't go because it's the Sabbath. So they're living inside the rules that are set up for them. Okay, so these are law-abiding, respectful people doing this. All right. Now, then we pick up the story. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, how early? How much, how light is it? You tell me, just, you don't have to agree, just get into the picture. How light is it? Not a lot, not a lot. What is it, like pre-dawn, you think? Pre-dawn? Sabbath's not over until the sun breaks the surface, breaks the horizon. So, probably this, huh? 
Right. Just, just right. That's right. It's just it's going to be first first peak over the over the whatever's next out there of, of looking at that. So at, in that light, how what's what's that look like? How how murky is the world at that time for for? Hmm? No, you can't see that well. And of course, there's no ambient light in this place. You know, there's no street lights. There's no nothing. There, you know, you're you're really you know out out there by yourself. So, huh? Could have been cloudy. Could have been a cloudy day. That's 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 not it. But but there you are. It it could be a cloudy day, uh, and and so it's there. What's the temperature like then? What's it feel like? Cool. It's cool. Okay. It's it's a cool, it's a cool coolish time of day. Uh, what can you hear? Birds. Anything else? People. What do you hear people doing? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, one of the one of the phrases that that uh, that grew out of uh, slavery in the United States was that the that slaves would work from can to can't, which meant can see to can't see. And and this is can. That's that was the day for, for in, in this age was can to can't, you know, because there there wasn't any uh, you know wasn't any light to put around. So so these things are beginning to start. There's some stirrings. Of, of the community around them. You can hear birds. Anything else? Can you hear? Can you hear anything else if you're there? It's a chilly morning. It's cool. Can you hear anything else? Might be. Movement, right? I'm sorry? The wind is blowing. It could very well be a wind. There often is at that at that time as the temperature begins to change and be, and begins to move the move the air a little bit. There's a little breeze. What can hear their own breath? Do they talk while they're on their way there? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's. <laughs> that. So well, I mean. Are they talking? Remember, remember. You know, what what do people do in the presence of grief? What what do people do as they walk into a funeral home? What do people do as they walk into the house of a new widow or widower? What what do you what do you do? Not when you get there, but when you're going. What do you do? Do you what do you do? You, chit chat? Do you? Hmm? You think you're quiet? Okay. Okay. Wailing? Could, yeah. Right. They call it an ululation, that that kind of high pitched, uh, you know, kind of that kind of a th- that kind of thing. It's called an ululation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know either at this point for for this community. I don't know the answer. I don't connect, I connect that more with Arab culture than with Jewish culture, but I really don't know. But but we're here, you know, but the point is that we're putting this story on, okay? And it really doesn't matter whether whether your your women are quiet and yours are chatting. It doesn't matter, but let's go with them. Let's let's be there and feel what they're feeling. What are they wearing? What are they wearing? Yeah, but I'm sorry? Keep, keep the chill off, something to keep the chill off. Maybe, maybe. 
Maybe. What would their worship clothes be? Okay, what, what makes you think they have an option about clothing? They might not have an option about clothing. You know, you might have what we used to call in West Virginia your Sunday go to meeting clothes and you, and your work clothes, but they might not. But in either case, it was pretty rough. You know, it's gonna, it's not gonna be smooth. Okay, so the, so the, whatever it is, and I think a cape is a good point, whatever it is, you know, it feels a little rough when they're walking along. What's the, what's the ground like when they're going to this tomb? Uneven. Uneven? Uh, well, they're not they're not graveyards in the way you and I would understand a graveyard. This is this is a cave, actually. You know, it's a, it's a it's a you know an entrance, perhaps hewn, perhaps discovered, whatever. But it belongs. It's it's Joseph of Arimathea. So it's he's it's dug at it. You know, it's it's made ready by in some way, uh, and and there may be others there because there's a strict. Or strict uh, provision in Judaism against mingling with dead bodies, so so they weren't cool on that. You know, they they didn't want to be, they didn't want to be. So there were probably other other bodies there, but not 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 in the way you and I would understand a cemetery. Okay, so that's what it feels like. All right, uh, and they go and they're carrying spices. What are the spices in? Hmm? Clay, clay jars. Are they rough or smooth? Rough. Are they big or little? Small. Like a, like a cruet for, for like something like that. Okay, now they're, they're anointing a body. I mean, they're going to do the whole, I mean, they, yeah, but that's going to be part of it. It's going to be part of the spices, the oil and the spices. Doesn't name the spices, but, uh, but the containers as we get into the picture of these people. So how many containers do they have? Uh, have a what? Excuse could be, could be, could be a, 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 a you know, a, not a liquid, but something that would be mixed with the liquid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It uh, uh, it says that they it says that they were taking the spices that they had prepared. So, so we want to give them a little room to the fact that maybe they're they're not going to do that there. They've already done that back back at wherever they were. Yes. Right. It wouldn't be, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, the oil, the idea that it's going to be something fluid. I mean, that's, that's what you do. That's what you do now with, with a body, you know, is, is that you, uh, you know, you use liquids and, and fluids and, and, and that's sort of, hmm? Could be, could be. Uh huh. Yeah, they they are they are going to the body of a convicted felon. I mean, they, you know, that that's you know, I mean, so you know, you can't think that there's going to be a you know pile of flowers out in front of the in front of the uh, the cave entrance. You know, that this is uh, so so they're uh, they have that as well. So they're a little furtive in their in their uh, in their approach, and they take it and and they. Do they feel the anxiety of the hostile community around them? Can they, do you think they're aware of that? That, that people are not, are not, would not congratulate them for, for this? That's, that's probably their 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being curious and trying to go more places, but being aware that it's not really permitted. Mm-hmm. Well, and part of that comes from the fact that they live in an occupied country. I mean, there's the Roman presence, but then there's the, the you know, the, the, the divisions within Judaism, uh, you know, and the uh, pro- following somebody as being the Messiah. Uh, frankly, there were more Messiah candidates than there are Democratic candidates for president. You know, they were all over the place, but everybody had one somewhere. And so, you know, if yours loses you know that that's not so good so it, you know what people so it's it's a it's a tough thing and it says that they come in to it what do they expect to find and how where how would it be how would they how would they how would it be there what would they what are they looking for a shroud a shroud something in a shroud and Well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah right. That's, that's one of their questions. You're right. Yeah, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do that? And and they have not t- necessarily taken that into account. You know that 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 has to happen. But they get there and it's done. And so they they expect to find a shrouded body, and they don't find anything. So now what happens? What's what's that begin to feel like and think like? What do you, what are the what are the possibilities that start going through your head? With that kind of a of a picture, we, we're going here to, you know, to to anoint this body and somebody stole it. You, you know, you, you, that's right. That that for the most part, we interpret perplexity in terms of what we already know and not what we don't know. And what's happening here for us as people of faith is that there is indeed a new reality being born, but they don't know that. And so they're going to interpret it, you know, in terms of the old standard. And so they're, they're going to raise, they're, they're, they're thinking, somebody stole the button. Why would you do that? Why? So, so are there any other perplexing questions that come into their minds there? Anything, anything else that comes across the mind there? Huh? Who, who did it? Who would do this? Did Joseph of Arimathea come back and, or, or did the Romans come back and, and, and do this? Or did the temple authorities come back and do this? I mean, there's lots of players on the stage here that might have done that. So, yes, ma'am. Points towards the Romans then, doesn't it? They don't observe the Sabbath. Yeah, right. That's right. So that would, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It would, that would, that would make me think, well, the Romans. Because everybody else, and, and it's close to Passover, and so, you know, the, everybody's got other things to do. Right. And, well, not practicing Judaism anyway. And then, and then all of a sudden, it, what they were called is suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. Now, that's, that's the Bible's way of kind of saying, we can't really tell you what went on. You know, the transfiguration of Jesus, that he's white and glistering. It, it, okay, yeah, but that's basically saying I can't describe it. You know, it, I don't, I'm not quite, it's, something's there, but I don't quite know how to describe it. And, you know, the words that I have with which I describe how nice you look today, you know, in your, in your new outfit just doesn't apply to these guys, but it's the best I can do. So, so we get that. And then, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Angels, 
you know, frankly ask the dumbest questions. They, why do you look for the living among the dead? Well, I mean, the dead, I mean, there he was. And, you know, that's why I was looking. I mean, that's where they put him, and that's where they stay. But he says um, he's, he is risen. Now, here's where you all have to, have to go to work. <clears throat> the vision, the whatever, has now communicated to them that he's risen, that it's not theft, it's not, you know, some kind of, you know, benign neglect or on the part of somebody. It's it's not a foul up. Something has happened on purpose, and it's a whole new category that we don't have any hook to hang it on. So what are we going to do with that? Well, now we got to go back. Now, now how are they moving? Quickly, quickly. Chatting? Hmm? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's you, you. Words are failing them. You know, there there isn't anything that you can say, and so they decide to go and tell the men. They decide to go and tell the men. Now, that too is culturally conditioned. I mean, so there you are. It also makes sense because those are the other people who would be sympathetic to what they're saying. So, no, however you slice that, that's what they did. And so they, returning from the tomb, they told this to the 11 and all the rest. Now, what do you, what do you suppose they would have told them? What would, what would they say? When, when you're describing two men that you can't describe, which is basically what that text means, how would you tell these guys? What would what would you say? You're not going to believe this. <laughs> right, and and you're right. They didn't. So that's that's part of the story here. Right, you're not going to believe this, guys. But there we are. But so you you got to set it up. You can say this doesn't fit anything that we've ever talked about before. This this isn't this isn't the old stuff. Okay. Yes. Right. Right. They could have. Yeah. You remember how Jesus said we didn't know what he was talking about when he said this thing? Maybe this is what's going on. But I don't think they really had time to process this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they, I don't. I don't. We don't know. We're, we're out on our own now. But but you know, he, uh, you have to remember th- this account is written. You know. You know. 60 years afterwards. So, so there might reflect some thoughts they might, but we're just trying to be realistic and, and you're quite right. They may have said, you know, he did, or they may have, whatever, they might have begun to connect a couple of dots, but they certainly don't have what's called a systematic theology worked out, you know, to go, to go with this. So, so it's pretty, pretty choppy. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Right. 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 Well, you know, this there's a, there's a thing going on. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. There's a thing going on when you're when you're when you have to tell somebody something that's unbelievable. You you're right. You you well you you can't you can't work up to it. 
Okay, there isn't there isn't any segue from what you're thinking to what I'm thinking. So so you almost have to start by saying it's not there. It's not you know you 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 can't you can't say well guess what happened to me? I mean because you know it ain't going to happen. So you know there isn't any way into it. So so that's you know it is important to do that. You know when. You know, it, you know, when you, you, you call up your children and you say, you know, the dog died, you know, you can't, there's no way, to, the longer you wait to get to that point, the, the harder it is. You kind of have to say it up front. So I think that's what they're doing here. That's, you know, they're, they're going to have to say, the body's not there, and, you know, we, we, we got the idea that he's risen. And it says, they thought that was an idle tale. I think that's a little softened I, I think I think that might have been the origin of oh for Christ's sake you know as a, as, as a statement but I, I don't know that that's just conjecture but the so uh, they, they've got no category of thought to put that in so they don't believe it now it says that Peter gets up and runs to the tomb now Peter's a very impetuous guy he runs to the tomb now so how far is it to the tomb how long is Peter gone? That's the story we're going to start fracking in just a minute. Okay. Because I think, okay, Peter gets up and goes. And, you know, in John's gospel, John says he went with him. Uh, you know, anyway, that's, but here in Luke says Peter went by himself. And, <clears throat> and they go, yes, ma'am. Okay. It's, okay. In the, uh, uh, in the 12th verse, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Ah, okay, all right. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Um, yeah, I, I was not aware of that. What that what that comes from is is the textual criticism, and and the uh, the later versions of 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 the of the Bible, the later the later versions of the Bible have information that the earlier versions did not have, and so the textual critics. The textual critics at that point said, this doesn't belong or it's not part of the text. And later on, you know, they said it is part of the text. So, you know, that, all of that happens way above my station and grade, but that's how it works. And that's why it's a little bit, little bit different. But that's, that's the text here. So the scene that I want to, want to give us is, is, is this. The, they come in and they, they babble out this story. <laughs> Look what happened. Where we are, and these guys don't believe her. Don't believe them. Peter, however, gets up and goes to the tomb. The tomb is a mile away. Well, he's gone for a while anyway, because they're not they're not camped out next to the tomb. So he's gone for a while, and he eventually is going to corroborate it. But now you've got the women and the men in a room connecting with this thing entirely differently. Okay? Now, what I'd like you to do, my friends, is I would like for you to, to talk about what was that conversation. And I'd like for the gentleman to take a table over here and determine... Gentlemen, the ladies' conversation. What did they say? Ladies, at a couple of tables, because there are more of you, 
uh, I want a group of not more than five, okay, in a, in a group. So, so we, so you can actually get something done. Okay. So if you ladies will glom yourselves together in groups of about five, and we've got one, two, three, four, five, six gentlemen. So if you all would take a table someplace, I don't care where, uh, but I don't want to spend the morning figuring it out, so go to a table. Uh, and, and we're going to take about, about ten minutes, you know, to tell, to say, what, what was their, what was that conversation? What did they say to one another? You know, while Peter is gone. That's fracking the story. What would they say? You got it? Okay, gentlemen, pick a table. Okay, there's, there, how about over here? There's a, critical mass over here, and ladies in groups of about five or six or something like that, and we'll take, uh, we'll take nine or ten minutes. <clears throat> You're going to talk, yes ma'am, I want the women, I want the ladies to, to figure out what were the men saying to one another as they get this new information, and gentlemen, what were the ladies saying to one another as they got this information? We're going to take about eight or nine minutes to talk about that. If uh, if I may interrupt you for just a moment, I want to I want to remind you that there the larger context of what you're doing is that you're you're really talking about what do people say when they don't know what they're talking about? What do people what do people rely on when they simply when the words perplexed and terrified define them? How do they approach that and how do how do they deal with it? That's what you're talking about. Okay? Off you go. Have fun. I'm going to ask us to stop in a, in a minute or two, and then we'll have a chance to hear what the other tables have done. So that's where we're going. Okay? It It isn't solvable, so we're not going to sit here until we do. So, uh, But another another couple of minutes, we'll come back to a plenary time together. Okay, if I may ask you to to stop the conversation where you are and um, because we have I want to be true to your schedule which uh, gives us about seven minutes to to talk about uh, what you have discovered and what you have done so let me start over here did you what did you all come up with anything go ahead considering the man's brain and the female's brain uh, and that they only use one hemisphere for listening, scientific fact that they didn't know back then, that the the, the men probably didn't even hear them. They just totally dismissed it. They knew something was up, and they had to check up and find out what it is and fix it. <laughs> you know? All right, all right. And and I feel the ice cracking under my feet, but, yes, that's fine. Okay, good. All right. How about you all back here? What did you come up with? Anything? Well, um, Oh, you need a microphone. Here. Feel free to join in. We felt that the men just didn't have the faith to believe what the women had said. We felt that Peter did. If it was only a mile away, that's not a huge journey to go and, and check. And we felt that Peter might have been feeling some remorse for having denied Christ three times and mm. wanting to extend the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. I don't know, but he obviously felt that there was could have been some truth to what the women said. 
Thank you very much. Let me go to the gentleman up here, and uh, so we uh, so we get uh, two, four, six, seven guys. So we get three and a half brains here to talk to. Uh, <laughs> we'll let John, we'll let John be our visionary. Yeah. I said, from given the role of women at this time and being a very sexist thing. Those women don't even know what they're talking about. We need to find out for ourselves. <laughs> well, we sort of thought that when the women got back and they explained it to the men that the men were so shocked that they couldn't process it really and that they were just they couldn't they couldn't remember the words of Jesus and they just were so stunned but that Peter seems to have been sitting there alone and he didn't debate anything but he thought I better go take a look and that's what he did okay all righty thank you very much let me come back around to to this table are you who's being Judy are you being you're being there you go I'm going to try to remember all the different. We we had so many different scenarios, uh, uh, if I can remember any of them. There were things like the men are going to say, oh, yeah, the women don't know what they're talking about. And then, well, what if it's true? You know, maybe they would have considered that possibility. Um, but that they just, they, they probably thought, yeah, well, we'll wait till Peter gets back because Peter will go. And they thought, well, Maybe the women, maybe they didn't really know where the tomb was. Maybe they went to the wrong place. Uh, and, you know, they, they just, you know, they're, they're from out of town. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're from, they're from out of town. And so maybe they, maybe they really didn't know where, they went to the wrong place, you know. But they would have had a lot of different possibilities to consider. And they, they would have wanted to fix it, too. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think you've done well. What you've been doing, my friends, is fracking the story. That's what fracking is. That's what midrash is. Moving, taking the, the biblical text and moving beyond it. And when we, when we move beyond it, you know, what in fact we're talking about is how do people, what do people talk about when they actually don't know what they're talking about? You know, because, you know, the assessment that the women don't know what they're talking about is true. They didn't know what they were talking about. They hadn't processed it. And the men didn't know what they were doing. They, you know, they, this was a, as out of the blue to them as it was out of the blue to the women at the tomb. And, and so, you know, there's that interpretive, you know, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Uh, Peter, you remember Peter is the one who, when Jesus was walking on the water, said, well, let me walk on the water. Uh, it's one of the resurrection appearances when they're out there fishing and they, they see Jesus over on the thing and Peter dives off the boat. I mean, he is an impetuous guy, you know, that, that, uh, you know, he, he is, he is, you know, that, that's the kind of thing he does, you know, that, that the, uh, you know, it, you know, Processed thought is not the first phrase that comes to mind when you're talking about Peter. So he, you know, he is a he is a runner and a jumper, and 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 that's what he does. So the the real question then is, you know, in our own lives, in our own experiences, when when we experience something of God or of life or of something that is outside of our working framework, and we don't have words to put on it, what do we say? 
And what do we do? The times that people like you and me do that is when you know, we treat loved ones as if they will never die because we have to. We don't want to sit around and think about that. So when it comes time that they are or might or just have, that's a whole new category. How do you, how do you talk about that? How do, how do I deal with that, which we've all known was coming, but we don't, you know, the, the fact is that in terms of death, that, you know, that the idea of death and the fact of death are so different from one another that there is no preparation for the surprise that comes. The, the same is is also true with, you know, with discoveries in a married relationship. You know, that that you have to renegotiate the married relationship. The Uptons is it your daughter? The Uptons' daughter and son-in-law, in in addition to everything else they have to do, have to renegotiate their own relationship because they've never been here before. You know, it's not it's not it's not because it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's because they haven't done this before. So they got to figure out, okay, now what do I need from you and what do you need from me and how do we do this? They have to renegotiate around a new reality. That's what these people are doing in this room. They're renegotiating around a new reality. So it's not, you know, it's not totally foreign. You know, it's not just discovering resurrections, you know, which certainly this is writ large, but it happens in life. And then we have to go. danger are we in? What could happen? Right. What do we do? And I was thinking that some men are probably thinking, hey, wait, if, if this is true, what else is going right. to happen? Right, right, right. You're right, because, I mean, this is scary. If somebody came and took that body, you know, this is scary. And and so, you know, scary is, that's their job. Okay, we are at a quarter till, and I thank you all very much. We'll be back next week. Thank you. <laughs>